welcome to the Acting Notes Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things acting, from tips and tricks to business information. I'm your host, Justin Powell, and today we're going to talk about acting in verse. I'll explain. So, I apologize because I think the podcast has been a bit more inconsistent than perhaps you are used to. And that is because I am currently in a production of a play by Christopher Fry called The Ladies Not for Burning. And so most of my focus has been going towards that project, as well as a couple other ones that are simmering in the background, some writing work, some directing work. So I have not been able to sit down and record a podcast as much as I would like, and I do apologize for that. I will always try to make sure I'm getting consistent episodes out there, but occasionally, the career does take precedence. Now, the interesting thing about working on this play is that it is a play that is in verse. You're probably familiar with verse in some respect if you're an actor, right? There was a fellow by the name of William Shakespeare who you might be familiar with. And many of his plays were written in verse. To be or not to be, that is the question, is an example of verse, right? That whole soliloquy. And there are many more. Now, I think at some point I'd like to do a whole episode on Shakespeare and why it's so important that actors study that work and try to get into productions of Shakespearean plays because you can learn a lot about the craft by working through that text. Quick side note on this one. You know, I've talked before on this podcast about how to create a character and the different ways you can find in. The approach always changes, and I found with this play, we had a very limited rehearsal time, and I had so many lines I had to learn that my entire way in was through the script. There was so little outside work other than breaking down this script in the ways that I'll share with you shortly. But I think that's one of the richest things about working in verse. It's also important because at some point in your acting career, you might be drawn to do a play like this. And there is a trap in many Shakespearean plays, in many verse plays, any verse play really. And that trap is not actually knowing what you're talking about and putting on the Shakespearean actor voice. To be or not to be, that is the question. I notice sometimes when I watch performers who are not experienced in verse and it becomes so much easier to play the idea of what is being said rather than making it your own because it's not always how we often speak right? There might be lines in there that are similar, but for the most part, it's far more poetic. And so I think because of that, the actor who is already removed from the project to some extent, right? Because these aren't our words. These are words from a playwright or from a screenwriter that we are making our own. So you're already a little bit removed, but then you add on the heightened language And it can make it even tougher to attach it to yourself and make it truthful. But it's important to do so. And I think if you can do it with verse, it makes connecting to material far easier 
for things that don't use that heightened language, that use language that we're more used to using in our day-to-day lives. So that's why I wanted to talk about it today, because I think it's valuable. And I want to save you, in case you get cast in a Shakespearean production or a play, anything that has heightened language, I want to save you from falling into that acting trap. Now, a lot of these lessons are from my amazing teacher at Anthony Mindel Studios, Jordan Chappelle. He teaches a Shakespeare class every now and then, and it's absolutely brilliant. But I also had a lot of experience at a theater company in San Pedro, where we did multiple Shakespeare shows and diligently worked on the text. Most of our early rehearsals for those shows were just sitting around a table doing text work all together. And that can seem kind of boring for actors, but when you put in that work on the text, when you get to the chance to stand up and start actually going into it, it just flies so much for the better. So let's get into it. What do you do when you have verse, right? How do you break down the script? And again, I think with if I receive something with heightened language or something that's in verse, I am going to dedicate most of my preparation time to the script. Everything else I think is kind of filtering through my subconscious and will come alive in the moment. Now, if I have extra time, of course, I'll, I'll do more character work. I'll try to consider the physicality a lot more, but otherwise... I'm mainly focused on the text. One of the biggest things that you can do and that you should do early on is translate the text on your own. Literally go through the script and translate it to modern English, how you would say these lines. There are a couple benefits to this. On the one hand, you get to understand everything that's being said. It's obvious on stage or on camera when an actor does not really understand why they are saying what they're saying or even what they're saying. That reads through. I've seen performances where actors are getting angry with the words they're using and they, the words do not match up at all. And I've talked about that before. That doesn't always have to be the case but it tells me they don't actually understand what their character's journey is at this moment. The other thing is that when we translate it into our own words, it gives us some agency on the performance. For example, let's take to be or not to be. Now you might say, why should I translate that? I understand what that means. It's good to translate it anyway just to give yourself some ownership on it. And it doesn't mean every word is going to be different, you know? You don't have to change to to something else. But I might change it to to die or not to die. Or to live or not to live. Now you might think, well, those are pretty much the same thing. Why does that matter? I don't know. I don't think they are quite the same. To die or not to die implies a Hamlet that is far more depressed It's death that is the first thing they're thinking. If they say to live or not to live, that means there's more optimism there, slightly more hope. 
And again, it's a small example. It's my interpretation on what that translation would mean. But that's the nuance we find when we translate our own personal stake, how it changes for us. So if I decided I'm going to play Hamlet, I'm, I'm going to be a bit more depressed and I would probably go with to die or not to die. It's important to try and translate the entire script for yourself so that you can own the words. Really understand what you're saying. Now, can you apply this to scripts that aren't using this verse or heightened language? Of course. You can translate the lines into how you would say it. In fact, I believe that's an exercise in the Meisner technique. I could be wrong about which technique it is. But you essentially go through the script, you read the cue line, and then you just respond with whatever your instinct hits you with. Then you check the line and what it actually is. And you try to see where the difference is, where the similarities are between your instinctive response to that cue and what the writer wrote for you to say. And then you just start to marry the two. You don't want to deny necessarily the instinct, but those are the words you have to share that instinct. So for example, this is just off the top of the head. Let's say in this scene, my wife says... I'm so sick of you. And my instinct is to say, well, I'm so sick of you. But then I look at the script and it says, I love you. Very different, right? At least on the surface, those are very different things. Can I say I love you in a way that communicates I'm so sick of you? Of course. You know, that's when we let the heart speak. That's something I love about Shakespeare in particular. I had a teacher tell me this once, and I really love it which is Shakespeare has already written what your heart wants to say. And that's why even sometimes when we don't quite understand Shakespeare, when audiences come and can't quite understand what the actors are saying, I think there is still a subconscious level they're being affected on because the writing is so human. It touches on deep levels of humanity. But again, it's important to translate these words to figure out exactly what you're saying. Then, the next thing we want to do is we want to underline the words that we think are the most key for our character. And this is throughout the script. The way it was described to me was you want to underline the words that still get the argument of what the character is saying across. So, for example, to be or not to be. If this is me, and again, this is my interpretation of it, your interpretation of what you should underline and emphasize might be different. And there are different ways to underline. If you do dash marks you know, a disconnected line underneath the word, then that means it's slightly emphasized. A full underline means emphasized, and you can double underline it, and that is the most important, right? So, for example, let's say I did to be with dash marks and a double underline. That might sound something like this. 
to B if I just did both underlines. To B if I didn't do any underlines. To B. Becomes more of a throwaway without any emphasis, right? And so you go through the script and you underline the words that you think are necessary to make this argument. Essentially, if you removed all of the words that you did not underline, would this argument still make sense? And this is something where, you know, once you do it, I suppose you can go through a rehearsal where you're focused on that, where you're trying to hit the words the way that you want. But then you just let it go. You trust the moment. The right words will be emphasized in the moment. But it's important to go through it because, again, it's something that helps us understand what we're saying. The arguments that our characters are making. So those are two things that you can do thus far, right? We can translate it. We can work on underlining the script, understanding what the argument is that our character is making. And I'll give you some more tips after this. I'd like to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. You know, I think mental health is something that is important for everyone in the world. I think therapy is something everyone should do, really. And I think it's important for actors, too. One, this industry is hard, right? There's lots of challenges and obstacles. Oftentimes, you're getting told no. You're grinding and working so hard, and sometimes that can take a toll on your mental health. Well, it's important beyond just the career that we take care of ourselves, and better help is something that can help you with that. In fact, it can help you better. <laughs> Horrible joke, but you know, had to get it in there. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy, and that way BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash the acting notes that's better com slash the acting notes and we're back so we have two techniques to help us with verse so far we can translate the words and we can underline the ones that make up the argument now let's talk briefly about scansion and i do say briefly because this is something that i always struggle with i understand it to some degree and I can see how it helps, but I always find it a bit challenging, and it's not something that I am super well-versed in. Haha, this is about verse. But it is important. Essentially, every line of text is 
written in a metrical scheme. There's a rhythm to it. And what we want to do is we go through our lines, and even the lines, if you have the time, of, of everyone else, basically the whole play, and you divide the syllables of the words into stressed and unstressed syllables. When a line, to be or not to be, that is the question, right? When that ends in a stressed syllable, that is called a masculine ending. And those that end in an unstressed syllable are feminine endings. Now, you might be thinking, why does this possibly matter? Well, I'll get to that. But first, let's talk about exactly what I mean here. So, let's take the line, to be or not to be, that is the question. There's a rhythm there. To be or not to be, that is the question. Right? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And those rhythms of the line, they can tell you a little bit about what the character is experiencing, what their thought process might be in that moment. If a character is speaking in perfect rhythm, and then it changes there at the end, that shows you there's some kind of shift. Something's going on. Maybe it's a realization. Maybe it's noticing something, but something has shifted. It gives you an insight into what is happening with the character. Now, you may have heard of the term iambic pentameter. When the line is a perfect 10-syllable line that has that same rhythm, unstressed, stressed, unstressed, stressed, five times, that's a line of iambic pentameter. But there are different ways that the line can break down, and again, these always tell you something different about the character. So I'm not going to continue into Scansion because, again... <laughs> It is not something that I think I can explain in full. Let me know in the comments or on Instagram if it's something you are interested in because I can certainly bring on a Shakespeare teacher that can speak about it in far greater detail than myself. But it is important to consider in the work. And it is something that I did, again, for my play, for The Ladies Not For Burning. So after you've done all that work, right, after you've done all this work on the script, it then comes right back to the beginning, to what we need in our acting, right? We need to listen fully with our body and be free. Trust our instincts. If you're focused when you're speaking your lines on doing it in perfect iambic pentameter, you're not connecting to the moment, right? If you're focused on the words you underlined, you're not connecting to the moment. If you're thinking of your translation in your head, you're not connecting to the moment and to your scene partner. And that's a real clicking in that needs to take place for good work to happen. You know, something I've noticed, at least in my own work, is that I'm always at my best when 
I'm not taking it to the idea of the character next to me. I'm taking it to that person across from me. For example, in The Lady's Not for Burning, the woman that I have a lot of interaction with in the play is a character named Jeanette Jordamain. But if I'm speaking to Jeanette and not to the actress who's actually playing her, then I don't think I'm as connected as I could be. That's how we make it a bit more real for us. We speak from our heart to the heart of the other person across from us. We try to affect change in them. Not in the character. Not because that's what happens in the play, but because that's what our character needs in that moment. So I hope this helped. Be sure to use it the next time you work on something in verse. And if you haven't worked on anything in verse, I highly recommend you try it. Check out some Shakespearean works. He is a hell of a writer. There are many shows that you can find online. Full shows. I know Andrew Scott's Hamlet is online right now. It's brilliant. It's, the fav- it's my favorite Hamlet that I've ever seen. The Taming of the Shrew with David Tennant and Catherine Tate is also online right now on YouTube for free. And I'm sure there's many more. So thank you for listening to the Acting Notes podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a comment if you have the time and if you feel like doing that, of course. No worries if you don't. And if you want to check out more from the Acting Notes, you can head over to Instagram or TikTok at The Acting Notes, where I post videos of tips and tricks and other content like that. I'm Justin Powell. This has been The Acting Notes. Thank you for listening. Peace. Thank you.